right, welcome to Talk is Jericho, and I wanted to do another solo show. I like doing these from time to time, and it is kind of fun. I'm actually currently in a hotel room in London looking for things to do, and I thought this would be a perfect time uh, to give the history of the pain maker. And it's actually quite poignant because not only have I made the pain maker something very unique and exciting in the world of pro wrestling, and we'll get into the whole origin of the pain maker uh, character in real life, but I've also uh, turned the pain maker into a uh, extensive series of NFTs. Now we had David Shapiro on a couple months ago. If you're still kind of trying to figure out what an NFT is, you can go back and listen to that. But basically, NFT is a piece of art that you can only get uh, through the blockchain. And um, you know, I don't want to give you a whole butchered explanation of what an NFT is. But a few months ago, back in August, we put out the first Painmaker NFT. We we released, I believe, it was uh, 50 of them. And they sold really fast, and it was kind of cool. It was all based around the pain maker, and it was kind of an animated uh, 20-second cartoon of, of the pain maker character. And, of course, it involved the hat and the, and the scarf and the spike jacket and the makeup and all that sort of stuff. And it did so well that I wanted to continue and make it almost like the first of a series, even though we didn't really set out to do that with the Painmaker NFT, the initial one, it was just kind of dipping a toe in the water and seeing how it would go. And it went really well. So I thought, well, why not make the second one kind of the second in the series, almost like this is going to be a chapter by chapter episodic NFT that you could put it all together at the end, whether there's five of them or 10 of them or 20 of them or however many we do. And each one leads to the next. So I thought uh, for anybody that's seen uh, seen the initial one, when the spikes come out of the jacket, the fires come out of the eyes in this kind of cartoon character, uh, you know, Marvel-esque universe, that is the sign that the pain maker is going to uh, be facing danger. So in the second one, which is uh, there's still uh, uh, units left, shall we say, for part two. We find the reason why that the spikes came out of the jacket and that the fire came out of the eyes is that the pain maker is about to face one of his huge rivals, kind of a half scorpion, half spider type of creature. And, you know, he's kind of uh, meeting up with him in a back alley. And is it a back alley of this world? Is it, is it a back alley of another world? And we'll kind of get into all that sort of stuff uh, later on. But anyways, I, I wanted to take the pain maker and I thought it was perfect for an NFT because it does have a lot of kind of really fantastic qualities to it. And it's something that would be very fantasy based. So we'll get back to kind of my whole plan for the pain maker outside of wrestling. But first, let's talk about the pain maker inside of wrestling away from the NFTs, because of course, if there was no original pain maker, I wouldn't have had the uh, idea to do some exclusive NFT and beyond content with this character. So let's go back to uh, 2018, Tokyo Dome, January 4th, I uh, wrestled Kenny Omega in one of the most uh, influential, monumental matches in pro wrestling history. Of course, this is the match that uh, did, I think, an increase of 300% of uh, of buys on New Japan World, uh, sold an extra fifteen thousand tickets in Tokyo, 
and essentially was the match that Tony Khan heard about and saw and uh, realized that there was a market in the States for another wrestling company. And that was because of the match that Kenny and I had. It was a five-star match. I think the only Meltzer-rated five-star match I've ever had, although I think I've had a couple more. I still don't understand how uh, Jericho and Benoit versus uh, Triple H and Austin, where we won the titles from the two-man power trip, when Hunter uh, tore his quad. It's not a five-star match, but that's a conversation for another day. Anyways, that started off my time in New Japan. And I remember going to New Japan and working with Kenny. And one of the things that I really was uh, keeping an eye on was I was into Bruiser Brody at the time. Because if you remember, Bruiser died in 1988. This is 2018. It was the 30th anniversary of his death. And I really went through a Bruiser Brody phase where I was looking at all of his matches and kind of watching what he was doing and um, seeing how he was manipulating the crowd and just being a, a total psycho uh, to the fans and to the other Japanese wrestlers. And I thought, well, I want to do a kind of a modern day version of this. I'll, obviously, I'm not as big as Bruiser was, but wrestlers aren't as big now in 2018. This is what I was thinking at the time uh, as they were in 1988. So I could go there and just steamroll and beat the shit out of guys. And so the Kenny match was kind of the transition phase between the, uh, um, I guess, the list character, you would say, in WWE and the Painmaker, where I was, you know, I was still wearing the light up jacket or maybe it was, yeah, it was a light up jacket and still the short tights and the scarf, that sort of thing. And I remember thinking like, this doesn't really fit what I want to do here in Japan. Cause as you guys know, I always like to evolve and update the characters that I'm doing. And, and then the things that I'm kind of portraying in the ring, and I thought this, this needs, this needs an update. So that's basically what I decided to do. And the, and the next, uh, task for me after Kenny was working with uh, with Naito and I really uh, I came out of the crowd Cork and Hall and beat beat him up and I just kind of really felt a little bit more crazy a little bit more insane a little bit more unhinged uh, slowly stepping away from the kind of the rules that the WWE had which is fine because it's just WWE and, and doing more of the rules of New Japan where there really wasn't a lot of rules it was more just uh, guns for hire, four to the floor, blood on the ice. Let's start, you know, kicking some ass. So that's kind of where it all started and where it all began. And I remember somebody had drawn a picture of Chris Jericho as the Joker. And I thought, that's really interesting. I like this idea of Chris Jericho as a Joker. And I thought, I need something different to do um, rather than just play this kind of list character for, for lack of, you know, drink it in man version of, of Jericho in, in 2017. So I started thinking I want to be more violent and I want to be more of a fighter. And so I was, I was thinking like, what would a serial killer look like if it was, if he was in a pro wrestling ring, like some kind of a horror movie character like Jason Voorhees or Jigsaw or, you know, something along those lines, Leatherface, you know, the, the classic Art the Clown horror movie killers. I thought, well, maybe if he had some kind of paint on and I had gotten this 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 girl uh, named Kate Lomax from England to do a jacket for me. She had the idea of having these kind of spikes on it. So I said, OK, well, I'll have the jacket with the spikes. And what if I put some paint on? What kind of paint would I put on? 
I thought, what if it's kind of like a cross between Alice Cooper um, with kind of the, 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 I guess he has kind of a line going through his eye, but there'll be kind of lines on the side and a little bit more pointed than Alice has kind of a clockwork orangey type thing with some lipstick on where it almost looks like if you're like a drunk chick going out to the bar and you try to put lipstick on and you, you, you put it on too much and it kind of slides down the side, like I can do. And you, you know, has some, some lipstick kind of smudged all over. So I kind of thought that might be kind of cool. And I remember I showed it to Gato at the dojo when we were going over the match for, for, for Naito, which is pretty funny. I just had Will Ospreay tell me this story, and a lot of people have told it to me that uh, when people put together matches with Naito, uh, they usually have a little bit of difficulty with him. I guess he's very uh, self-conscious about the match, or he overthinks it a lot. And he, uh, I guess I, I came in and out of there, and Will said it was 48 minutes of putting together the match because I had some ideas. I said them to him. Uh, Red Shoes, the referee, kind of translated the, it to him. And <laughs> and uh, I guess he was a little bit intimidated by me, maybe, a little bit scared. And uh, he agreed that the match was ready in 48 minutes. And I think uh, he enjoyed it. We had two matches in Japan. Both of them were really, really good. I really enjoyed both of them. Anyways, uh, we were in the dojo, and I told Gato I'm going to wear some makeup for this match. And uh, he looked at the picture that this fan had drawn of the Joker, and it was the, the the guy was wearing a hat, like a fedora sort of thing. And he, and Gato said, "Do you want f- the a fedora too?" And I thought, "Well, I don't have one." He said, "I have one. I'll bring it for you." I thought, "Well, that's kind of cool. I'll put some makeup on. We'll have the spiky jacket, and uh, I'll get the fedora from Gato, and let's kind of see what happens." So uh, I remember we, I think we were in Osaka, and I was having the match against uh, against Naito, like I said. And I put the makeup on is kind of a little bit unsteady. You know, you, you put it on the, 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 you know, the, the crossway from top to bottom and put it on the side and have the smudged lipstick. And then I, I put the, the jacket on and there's kind of a, a scarf. It was more of a white scarf, kind of a beigey type scarf. And uh, I put some gloves on. I like the black gloves look. And I looked in the mirror and I thought, this is really cool. It's, it's kind of a psycho-looking, serial killer-esque thing. And I said, all right, well, here I go. Now, anytime you wear a new costume, and this is funny because the same thing happened when I went from long tights to short tights in WWE back in 2008 or whatever it was. That first walk out of the dressing room, whoever sees you, almost dictates whether you're going to do this or not. And, and thankfully, like I said, I saw Bruce Pritchard first when I first put the short tights on back in, uh, in, in WWE. I remember it was in Knoxville, Tennessee. And he said, oh, that looks good. What have you been covering up those legs for for so long? And the second guy I saw was Dean Malenko. who goes, oh, my God, you look terrible. Had it gone the other way around, I might have heard Dean's comment and split and ran away and, and went with the long tights uh, uh, and never went to short tights. So anyways, as I walk out of the dressing room, with this makeup on and this hat on. Thankfully, it's Japan, and no one even batted an eye. No one even said anything to me as I uh, walked out with this this new look. And once again, there was no pain maker at that point in time. It was more just this idea that I had to be a serial killer in the ring. And I, I remember Cody was there and Kenny was there. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, that was the night that I won the Intercontinental title from Naito and it was Cody was the their US champion Kenny was the uh, heavyweight champion 
and I was the IWGP uh, Intercontinental Champion. So it might have been one of the only times when three Gaijing were all together as, uh, as as champions. So I I walked out of the dressing room, walked past everybody. Nobody said a word about looking stupid or whatever. Went to the ring and won the uh, N- uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling NJPW uh, Intercontinental Championship uh, with with the first iteration of what the pain maker would become. All right, there are a lot of things that nobody likes to do, like calling somebody back when they text you we need to talk, or cardio every day, or running the ropes when you're first getting started in wrestling. And I'm sure everyone can add scooping cat litter to that list as well. I know we all love our cute little feline family members, but the smell, the scooping, the scraping of stuck-on mess, nobody loves that. Problem solved, however, thanks to Arm & Hammer Slide Litter, the litter that slides right out, leaving nothing behind. You still may not love cleaning the litter box, but now you can just slide out the funk. Arm & Hammer Slide Litter. More power to you. All right, welcome back to Talk to Jericho as we continue to discuss the origin and the history of the uh, pain maker. And I talked about how uh, I worked with Naito to win the Intercontinental Championship uh, with the first uh, version of the Painmaker, Painmaker 1.0, I guess you'd say. And then I went on to face Evil. Now, Evil's gimmick is obviously Evil. He comes to the ring with um, a bunch of druids, kind of disciples, and they all wear uh, kind of black, distinctive masks. And they're just kind of those plastic face masks where doesn't really have any um, detail or design on it. It's just an actual kind of just empty face, almost like a, a Michael Myers mask. So I thought for, because at the time I would come in and attack uh, the opponent and before the match. So he came to the ring with all of his druids. I remember he was about to have a match with uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Um, I don't remember exactly where it was. Um, maybe Fukuoka or something like that. And then uh, I was one of his druids as well, and I, I proceeded to attack evil and beat the crap out of him, and I unmasked the black faceless mask to reveal a white... No, sorry. No, let me rephrase that. I took off the black mask, and it was me. Oh, I was the pain maker. Ah, how crazy is that? Um, so that was really cool. And then uh, for my entrance against evil... I came to the ring, and this is where I took off the black face mask with the white pain maker out, uh, uh, outline, white, white, picker, white pain maker uh, makeup on it, and I took it off to reveal a white plastic face mask with the black pain maker makeup on it, which was cool. So I had the match with, uh, with Evil. It was a pretty good match. It was the main event in Osaka. It takes a drag of a cigarette. Never seen so many people. And just the kind of the evolution of the pain maker, a little bit crazier, did some more kind of vicious type things. And then uh, I had another match against uh, Naito at the Tokyo Dome this time, once again wearing the makeup. And now the makeup is just part of the Chris Jericho character. I'm still listed as Chris Jericho, right? Where Painmaker came from is the next match I had after be, uh, losing to Naito at the Tokyo Dome 2019 was in June. Once again, all my matches were seemed to be like the Tokyo Dome or in Osaka because those are the big shows, January and June. Uh, and the June show in 2019 was against uh, Okada, who is called the Rainmaker. So therefore, I said, well, I'll call myself the Painmaker, and now I have a name uh, 
for this character. And the cool thing about it is now people could uh, kind of mimic this character. I remember Naito before the Tokyo Dome show, his whole uh, entrance was based around him wearing some paint, some pain maker paint or something along those lines. Although it was blue for some reason. He must not have had any black uh, paint. And, and what I basically use is uh, I use black lipstick and black eyeliner. That's the secret of the pain maker. It's not like Stein's Clown White that Kiss uses or some kind of Hollywood makeup. It's basically just black lipstick that I bought on Amazon and an eyeliner pencil that you have to have uh, a pencil sharpener for or else it gets dull very quickly and it hurts to put on. <laughs> so I had uh, both of those. I remember one time I ordered something from Amazon and my daughter found it. She says, Dad, why do you have black lipstick? I'm like, yeah. I'm one of the only fathers that you know that makes a living wearing black lipstick that he puts over his eyes. So um, we did the, the, the pain maker, uh, and then I had a kind of a whole cool kind of uh, uh, intro with all these other pain makers. That might have been for the next match against Tanahashi. But now, like I said, you could now dress up as the pain maker. You could uh, draw pictures of the pain maker. You could have Painmaker Disciples. So there was all of this really cool thing that you could do now that the, the Painmaker had a name and had a look. And it was, it was official. Now you can even leave just the Chris Jericho behind and just make it the Painmaker. You know, and then, of course, I did that again against Tanahashi. And that was the one where we filmed this really cool vignette in L.A., uh, with with uh, Gold Wolf Productions is the name of the studio. And he had like five or six kind of uh, independent wrestlers dressed up as the pain maker. And then uh, I came and kind of waltzed in there with my pain maker guys. So there was a lot of stuff the pain maker could, could, could do um, with this, this new look. And like I said, you would go to shows and see people dressed up as the pain maker. Darcy from last drive and dressed up as the pain maker. And um, so it was a really kind of a cool uh, thing. And I thought it was perfect for Japan it was the perfect character for Japan because they have this distinction, obviously, with Great Muda and Great Muto for many years where you could be a non-makeup guy, you could make it be a makeup guy. And obviously, everyone knew that it's Chris Jericho, but because it has this pain maker element to it, then suddenly it becomes something even cooler. And plus, I could almost have an alter ego where I could go completely nuts and do the Bruiser Brody and just beat the hell out of people and, uh, and, and go from there. So that was kind of the whole initial idea for what the pain maker was and of course the last time i worked in new japan was against tanahashi which was amazing uh pain maker versus uh versus the ace and we had a great match maybe my favorite one i know the the one with kenny was kind of uh, critically acclaimed more but the one that i had with tanahashi i think i might have enjoyed it even better both guys i faced for the first time ever in the in that ring i'd never touched kenny omega or worked with them in any way, shape, or form until the Tokyo Dome. And same thing with Tanahashi. I'd never worked with Tana or touched him in any way, shape, or form uh, other than those matches at the Tokyo Dome. So uh, that was kind of it. And then, you know, what do you do with the pain maker? Is, is that kind of the end of the line for this character? Would this character work in, in the United States? You know, would this character be accepted? And I think because, you know, people, especially AEW fans, are very educated and had kind of kept up with what I was doing in New Japan. And, of course, during the course of this time, 
uh, AEW started, I believe January of 19 or February of 2019 is when we had our first initial press conference. So the people that kind of were following AEW's inception knew that Chris Jericho was going and knew that Chris Jericho had spent the last few years uh, as the pain maker in Japan. So it only seemed natural that when we had just started AW, October 2nd, uh, 2019 was our debut, and I had won the uh, world title from Adam Page, uh, who is now the current AW champion. Congratulations to him. So anyways, we, we had started out very hot. Uh, we had formed the inner circle. Uh, the second week, we had done some more work. So the third week, we wanted to have a really big match, and Tony wanted me to face one of the younger guys and I was really into Sonny Kiss. Still am. I think Sonny is a very untapped, unique talent. Tony wanted me to work with Darby Allen. So I thought, okay, that's great. And I remember, you know, I'm telling a lot of little stories here all at one, but it's all part of the, the story of the pain maker. Darby uh, had come up to me the week before and said, I want to do this thing where you tie uh, my hands behind my back. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he showed me this, this clip that he had done where someone had taken tape tied it around his his uh, hands that were behind his back. And then he did all these acai moonsaults and a dive outside and all this crazy stuff kind of shuffled his way up to the top rope with his hands behind his back. Really, really cool stuff. And I was like, no, at first. I remember thinking, no, no, no. And I was like, get your head out of your ass, Jericho. It's the first time anybody's ever seen this. You want to put a spotlight on this young guy. You want to sp put a spotlight on this kid. Let's do it. So I came up with the idea of, the, like, you know, how could I do this? with no with rules well you can't so let's do kind of a a street fight type thing i think it was i think it was in philadelphia it was a philadelphia street fight and i thought well darby wears makeup so kind of a cool alter ego idea for that would be the pain maker so i told tony khan what if we debut the pain maker on american soil for the first time ever uh, against darby allen and, and he thought that was a great idea so here we go. And it's the same thing as, as when I was first taking the character to Japan, when I walked out of that dressing room. What's everybody going to think? Well, now the Painmaker at least had a little bit of steam behind him, but still he had never been on American TV. And what's the difference between Chris Jericho and the Painmaker? Well, it really isn't a lot, but there is a little bit more violent, a little bit more, I don't know, vicious maybe, but plus two, I'm also a heel. So just a different kind of way to do things. So I worked with Darby. We had a really good match. And I remember just really digging the fact that it was the pain maker. And, you know, you wear the cutoff shirt and you got the makeup and the hat. And now it's a full thing. Like I said, you know, I remember, uh, uh, and I was kind of wearing that outfit in the initial stages of AEW as well. I, I think one of the first action figures that we had from Jazz wears kind of had the spiky jacket and the, and the fedora. So now, if you notice, I don't wear that anymore. That is specifically Painmaker-only outfit. Uh, DC Comics did an amazing Chris Jericho picture, and it was all kind of Painmaker-based. I don't even think it had the makeup on yet. So it was kind of like, once again, it was a really cool look, and I didn't want to just not wear it, especially when, you know me, I always like to evolve and update my look and, and my, my character and my gimmick and that sort of thing. So I kind of had the spiky jacket. I kind of had the fedora. I kind of had the gloves, but no pain. I was still calling myself Chris Jericho, but this was a chance to do all these things and be the pain maker. 
had a great match with Darby. I remember he went to the top rope and Jake Hager pushed him off. And at the time, I got a lot of heat because oh, why would you have have to have assistance to beat this this kid? He's so small and you're the world champion. I was like, you guys don't get it. I'm telling you right now, he's going to be something very special. Plus, I'm a heel. So the more ways you can take advantage and get a big win, the better it's going to be. So that's kind of what we did. And that was the debut of the pain maker in AEW. And then uh, fast forward about a year or so, this summer when we were doing the, uh, the uh, labors of Jericho, which I based on the, on the five labors of Hercules. Actually, I think it was about the 10 or 11 labors of Hercules, but this was the five labors of Jericho where I had to go through four guys to get to MJF, who would be the fifth labor. And once again, came up with the idea of working with Nick Gage, and Nick is so crazy, and we were having this Nick Gage death match, which, of course, this is the first and only death match that I've ever had, uh, you know, and I decided, well, a good way to do that, you know, after uh, 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 MGF had announced that my next opponent would be Nick Gage, and I see him on the stage walking out with a pizza cutter. Um, we did the big uh, interview from behind with Alex Marvis later on the show, and I turned around and said, you know, there's somebody special that's going to be meeting up with uh, Nick Gage. And I slowly turn and it's the pain maker. And I got a big pop for people seeing the pain maker uh, makeup because now they kind of know exactly what it is in the States. So we'll talk more about the match with Nick Gage and we'll get more into NFTs and the uh, idea that I have to make the pain maker more than just a wrestling character when we come back. On Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho is supported by my daughter Cheyenne's favorite sponsor, Helix Mattresses. She's getting the best sleep of her life thanks to her Helix Mattress. And believe me, it's not just her favorite possession. It might be the one she spends the most time on, even more than TikTok. Uh, she's a teenager after all. And if you want to sleep like Cheyenne, then you need to get a Helix. Just take the Helix Sleep Quiz. It's quick and easy. Cheyenne did it in two minutes. That's right, two minutes. The sleep quiz asks you things like, do you sleep on your back, your side, or your stomach? Do you move around a lot at night? And after you take the quiz, Helix tells you which mattress is perfect for you. We got the Moonlight Lux for Cheyenne, and clearly that worked out well. Helix has a specific mattress for everybody's unique taste. You don't have to take our word for it, though. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Just go to helixsleep.com com slash Jericho. Take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Helix also has a 10-year warranty, and you get to sleep on the mattress for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it. But trust us, you're going to love it. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows at helixsleep.com slash Jericho. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash Jericho for up to $200 off. Try it risk-free for 100 nights. Helixsleep.com slash Jericho. All right, welcome back to Talk is Jericho. Talking about the history and the origins and the future of the pain maker. So uh, we were talking about Nick Gage and about how his style is as this deathmatch destroyer. And so I thought, well, maybe if I do something a little different and kind of put together uh, the pain maker, um, have the pain maker involved, it kind of adds a little bit extra aura. You know, and once again, people don't really know who Nick Gage is. So now they get a chance to kind of 
see him on a on a full you know national television platform but also to the fact that the pain makers involved also puts you know a little bit of extra spin on it so keep in mind it's only the second time the pain maker had ever wrestled in AEW and you know by name officially only the fourth time with Okada and Tana uh, being the first two and then of course there was the two Naito matches and the evil match where I was wearing the the look but the actual pain maker name has only specifically wrestled four matches. So we did the match with with Nick Gage and came up with all the cool spots that you saw. One of my favorite matches. I mean, you know, talk about a five-star match. I don't know if there's such thing as a five-star death match. And, of course, there should be. I mean, of course there is. In my opinion, it was a, you know, four-and-a-half, five-star match. If I ever do an addendum to my List of Jericho uh, book, I'd put it in there as four-and-a-half stars, five stars. I never had a full-fledged death match before. I'll never have a full-fledged death match again. But that night, uh, we had a great one, and it culminated, which is a kind of a cool spot. It's funny because it's now been appropriated and used by somebody else in AEW, which, of course, opens the door if I ever wrestle with him talking about uh, Malachi Black. But I was thinking of something towards the end that could really turn the tide because Nick was using the light tubes and all that other stuff. And I thought, well, what if I blow mist? Haven't seen any mist in years. Obviously, talked about the Great Muda earlier. That is a, a, a Great Muda, you know, a classic vintage um, uh, uh, trait. Uh, Tajiri did it in, in, in WWE for a while, and I thought this will be really cool if I do some sort of mist. So I told Tony about it, and he goes, well, what color is it going to be? And I said, it's going to be black. And he's like, oh, that's great because... Muda used the the black mist once in 1987. It was even worse than the green. And the reason I wanted it to be black is because obviously the Painmaker is kind of a black, darker character. So uh, we did the whole thing, and Nick was beating the crap out of me. He went for the the glass bundle, and I blew the mist in his face and did the whole Muda thing. And it just made sense to me that the Painmaker would blow mist, right? Because he's a mysterious type of character. And then of course. <laughs> Malachi Black comes in and starts using the mist and, and of course, doesn't realize that the Painmaker had done it. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but I'm not using the mist as Chris Jericho anytime soon. So until the Painmaker comes back, the mist is all his. And then who better to face Malachi Black and kind of his dark character uh, at some point than the Painmaker. So maybe we'll uh, have a mist versus mist off or something like that. So anyways... That's the pain maker in the real world. That's the pain maker in real life and how it all started. So a couple years ago, probably geez, back in 2018, I did a movie with Kevin Smith. Uh, it's called Kilroy was here and it was filmed in Sarasota outside of Tampa by kind of a, um, a smaller kind of a film school type thing. And somehow Kevin got involved as, as the writer of this script uh, and then I think he eventually even took it over as director. And it's a horror anthology like Creep Show. And I don't even know what my my chapter is called. But anyways, I was talking to Kevin. I was asking him if he was in L.A. because I wanted to do a watch along of the Bad News Bears. You guys have heard that here on Talk is Jericho. And he's like, no, I'm filming in Tampa or in Florida for the next uh, few weeks or months or whatever it was. I said, oh, dude, where? And he said, Sarasota. I said, that's just down the road from me. That's hilarious. And he goes, do you want to come play with us? And I was like, what do you mean? He said, do you want to come play with us? Do you want to come be in this movie? 
and we had talked for years because we've been friends for years, appeared on each other's podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. Like, okay, like, you know, you, you got to be, you, we got to do something together. It's the typical, like, we got we to gotta tour together if you're in a band, you know. We got to have a match together if you're a wrestler. And this was, we got to do a movie together. And I was like, sure, just say the word. And I've heard this all before, but he actually said, come play with us in Sarasota. So I thought, this is great. It'll be really cool to be in a Kevin Smith movie. And, you know, obviously I was a big fan of his when I was growing up and still am. And, um, well, growing up, mid-20s era, in my 20s, I guess I'd say. So he sends me the script, and it's actually a really big part. It's it's the whole kind of uh, antagonist of this one whole, you know, part of the anthology one of the chapters and i played the gator hunter and the gator hunter doesn't just hunt uh, gators he actually hunts homosexuals as well he's trying to out uh people who are looking for private dates and that sort of thing he's just a terrible terrible person uh, who, who meets a very terrible terrible demise uh, so my point is, we did this movie. It turned out well. Kevin was super excited by what I did. Gave me the part in uh, uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot. We've talked about doing more stuff together, but he was really impressed by my uh, by my skills and by my you know by the way I played this part and all the stuff that I did with it. And then I never hear anything about it. And I'm thinking, is it going to be in the theaters? Is it going to go on Netflix? Is it going to go on Amazon? Is it going to go on Hulu? And then of course the pandemic comes. And just kind of wipes everything out. Everything stops. I think, well, if there's ever going to be a time for uh, a fully done, mixed, mastered, colorized, and sounded Kevin Smith movie, he'll be able to sell it to to anybody right now. Everyone's looking for content. Well, it didn't work out that way. Or at least, uh, I don't know for sure. I'll have to talk to Kevin. Hopefully, we'll discuss that here on Talk with Jericho. But my point is, he decided to release the movie as an nft and that means he's going to sell the movie to one person with probably some kind of distribution deal uh, built into it anyways what does all that mean for the pain maker well then i started talking to david shapiro who has been on the show before as you guys heard and we started discussing about doing an nft some kind of a chris jericho nft and i've seen a few nfts that are really good and i've seen a few nfts that are kind of really lazy and I didn't want to do anything lazy because I don't do things that way. So I thought, what can I do that's special? I don't want this to just be some Chris Jericho promo piece or some clip of me putting somebody in the in the walls of Jericho or something. I want it to be something really special. And that's when we thought, what about doing the pain maker? I kind of suggested this to David and he's like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do an animated version of the pain maker. So that's kind of where it all started. And like I said earlier, we put together the first incarnation of this Painmaker uh, uh, NFT where, you know, like I said, he's walking, uh, there's music playing and there's, I think, 50 moving parts of the spikes coming out and, and the fire in the eyes. And it looks kind of almost like an ethereal, I don't know, demonic character, spiritual character, some kind of a, a Wendigo or something like that. So then when it did really well, and I just liked the idea of it, I thought, what if I, my, uh, um, you know, indoctrination, if my contributions to NFTs is Painmaker uh, exclusive? Now, I know there's still some people that don't like like NFTs. Somebody actually said on uh, one of the comments for the new 
the new NFT, uh, NFT, no fucking thanks. But I'm telling you guys, this is not a scam. Uh, you don't have to buy one if you don't want to. I'm just telling you, in about two, three, four years, so much content is going to be on NFTs. I think that's so... Uh, artists and musicians are going to be able to start taking the music back. I think you're going to see a lot more, uh, just a lot more uh, product on NFTs and a lot more of kind of what I'm doing now, setting the tone for you guys so you know what it is in the future. So I thought, let me do a chapter by chapter story of the pain maker. So, um, and I thought, like I said, okay, well, what if when the spikes come up, that uh, equals danger for the pain maker? And then I said, what if he's getting attacked by some kind of a giant insect? And originally, the giant insect that they had it looked, it was just like a scorpion. And I was like, no, nah, it can't be just a scorpion. It needs, it needs to be half scorpion, half spider. So that's kind of what he, he comes up against in the back alley. And that's what he saw in the first NFT to kind of, you know, almost like a bad example, like a skunk will get ready to spray the, <laughs> the mist or... Or, or a porcupine will get ready to, to shoot the, the quills at you. So it was the half scorpion, half spider. And they asked me, what do you want to call it? And I said, well, why don't we call it? I was trying to think of a name like Arachtimonos. I like that. Like, that's a cool supervillain name, Arachtimonos. Well, what is Arachtimonos? Well, I thought, well, Arachtimonos is, is maybe one of the painmaker's rivals that he's been searching for for a while. So all of these things that we're kind of talking about in the uh, NFTs will be revisited and I'll tell you how in a bit. And then when we tried to think, what's the name of it going to be of the second episode? I said, let's call it death at first sting. This chapter of the story is death at first sting, obviously because Arachdemonos is half intergalactic spider and half intergalactic scorpion. Hope you guys are still with me on this. And uh, there's a famous scorpions album, the band scorpions called love at first sting which is amazing. I thought, well, let's turn the tide and call it death at first thing. Uh, and so that is what we did. And the, and that's kind of the whole concept of the second NFT to where now, uh, obviously the third NFT would be some sort of a battle between the pain maker and Arachdemonos. Um, But I'm going to tell you kind of what I want to do more with it. <laughs> if you guys are still paying attention, this is pretty crazy. Uh, but though there is a whole kind of plan that I'll lay out for you guys and explain when we come back right here on Talk is Jericho. Thanks to our friends at Geico for supporting Talk is Jericho. If you own or rent your home, you know how hard it can be, but you know it's easy as bundling policies with Geico because Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policies. And it's a good thing too because you already have so much to do around your home. Just go to geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today. That's geico.com. Talk is Jericho is also supported in part by NHTSA. Let's say you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks around this New Year's Eve season. A few becomes a few too many, and as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride, but you live nearby. You can make it home okay, right? It's no big deal. What's the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And then what's the worst that can happen if you do? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car. How about you kill someone, huh? 
Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that doesn't stop people from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads so they can save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, we're also doing an Ask Me Anything event January 4th, uh, 2022, of course, next week, basically, at 8 p.m. Eastern. You just got to go to semcore.io slash Jericho AMA. We are giving away a limited number of NFT tickets that will give the owner access to an online Ask Me Anything with me. Once you register, one of five unique NFT tickets will be delivered to your Ecto wallet, and a link will be available the day of the event. I'll discuss the pain maker, like I'm doing right now, but I'll get into more depth. My collaboration with Semcore and Phantasma to create a blockchain-based graphic novel, which we're talking about here. The first NFT, which introduced the pain maker, sold out. The second NFT introduces the first pain maker adversary, Arachdemonos, the intergalactic half-scorpion, half-spider serial killer. I'll be releasing both character NFTs and complete pages from the graphic novel as NFTs as well, which will, of course, culminate with the release of the complete graphic novel. Uh, participants in this AMA will have the opportunity to get one of the 30 remaining Pain Maker number two series NFTs, uh, Death at First Thing, episode two, if you will. Owners will also receive a signed physical poster of a single frame of the NFT. And you also participate in an online meet and greet and receive 20 soul and 50 soul tokens, of course, from the cryptocurrency blockchains out there. To participate, you need an Ecto wallet. Uh, just go to uh, Chrome, Google, uh, and figure out how to get the Ecto wallet. It's very easy to do. So keep that in mind. The AMA, January 4th, 2022 at 8 p.m. Eastern. Just go to Semcore. That's S-E-M-K-H-O-R dot I-O slash Jericho A-M-A. All right, welcome back to the evolution of the paint maker here on Talk is Jericho. I told you kind of my ideas for the NFTs we have released and what I want to do with NFTs in the future. But what this is all leading up to is I was really paying attention to what's going on with the Marvel Universe, right? And kind of... Um, you know, they are using so many superheroes now. They got like Ant-Man and Wasp and Luke Cage, and they're all cool. But I was a kid with <laughs> when these characters came out, and you never saw them. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, my goodness, you'd never even, they wouldn't even get any uh, airtime in any of the comics. They were, they were just little bit characters, but they're looking for heroes. And I thought, well, okay, let me see what I can do with this pain maker idea. So the long-term idea is to take kind of these NFTs. And like I said, I don't know, people might get bored of them after the second one, but maybe if there's some kind of a, of, of a following, we can do 10 chapters where, you know, you put them out and you put out 40, uh, 40 units and they go really fast. And at the end, someone can piece together, you know, all 10 episodes and keeping in mind the beauty of the, of the NFTs is there's only 40 of them of each episode. So if you have the whole, you know, whole set, whole series. When I was a kid, you wanted to collect every hockey card in the series. You know, I remember checking it off. Okay, there's 115. Uh, I need number 37. I need number 49. 
so I, my idea is to do the kind of kind of a whole kind of series, a, a bunch of different chapters of of the Painmaker NFTs, which would then culminate into a graphic novel. That's my. This is the and you know me, guys. I don't just come up with this stuff lightly and just throw it out there. I really want to do a Painmaker graphic novel, and I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna I'm saying it to you guys and and putting it out into the universe because I really believe that it's going to happen because this is how I, this is how I rizzle, you know what I'm saying? So what I want to try and do, and if you guys have any ideas, throw them in there, but I've got a couple of different writers that I've approached to work with on this. What is the backstory of the pain maker comic book character, the, the superhero character of the pain maker. Now, obviously there's many types of superheroes. There is Batman who has no powers really, and he's just a conflicted guy, but he's doing things for the the good of the universe, you know, to, to keep the to keep the cities clean and, and, and keep America safe. And then of course you got Superman who comes from another planet and he has these, you know, unbelievable uh, powers and these incredible feats of strength and speed that he can do. So you got that as well. Where does the pain maker fit? Well, the pain maker, and once again, I love saying this stuff because if you're into comics and if you're into graphic novels and into Marvel Universe movies, there's nothing I can say that's going to sound crazy. And if you think it sounds crazy, you're probably not listening to this anymore. Anyways, you probably skipped this episode and went to listen to, you know, Jay Lethal or whatever from a couple weeks ago, whatever it may be. So here's what I came up with. So the pain maker. Because uh, remember when I first told you that I was trying to envision what would a serial killer look like if he was in the wrestling ring? Well, the pain maker is a serial killer. He is an intergalactic serial killer, which means he can go into different dimensions. He goes to different planets because serial killers come in all shapes and sizes. It's not just Ted Ted Bundy and the toolbox killers and, uh, you know, all these type of Richard, Richard Ramirez and all these types of people. They are also uh, uh, creatures like Arachdemonos. Arachdemonos is one of the worst intergalactic serial killers that the Painmaker has been been chasing through galaxy after galaxy and dimension uh, versus uh, through dimension to um, capture him. And the difference is, and here's the caveat, is that the Painmaker is also a serial killer, like I said, who reformed himself. And maybe he started on Earth. I don't know yet. I haven't decided. But the idea would be that he is a serial killer that reformed himself. And in order to, you know, redeem himself, he's going to go take out other serial killers because he knows how a serial killer thinks in all different ways, in all different galaxies. And maybe the pain maker, when he uh, decided to reform himself, maybe he changed his identity and got married and had kids. And maybe the kids and the wife were killed by an intergalactic serial killer. I know there's a little, there's some Dexter overtones here, but this is much more fantastic. And here's the thing. He now chases serial killers, intergalactic serial killers like Arachdemonos, throughout the galaxy, throughout the Milky Way, throughout the solar system. And 
when he captures them, he kills them because he was the best serial killer, the most evil, the most sadistic, uh, the worst of the bunch. But he still is not over that yet. Killing intergalactic serial killers isn't enough for him because deep down inside, he still has this unsatiable lust to kill innocent people. He is still a serial killer. And that's the tortured side of the pain maker. He's not a hero. He's still a villain as well. He's trying to do his penance by killing other intergalactic serial killers only because he can't quench the thirst that he has inside of him to kill innocent people like a serial killer would. So that's kind of what I'm dealing with here. It's got, you know, it's got some moralistic ideas behind it. Obviously it has the adventure. Obviously it has the, the characters and we can go anywhere we want with it. And it's the pain maker. So he, when he's ready for battle, the spikes come out and, you know, the hair is there and then, and even has got the scarf, which I can't find that scarf. When I did the, uh, the Nick Gage pain maker, I had to use a different scarf because I couldn't find the one from Japan. So there you go. Somewhere there is a original pain maker scarf, probably lost in a dressing room somewhere in a corner. So that would be the idea for the graphic novel, right? So I asked, you know, Kevin Smith, would you be interested in, in this? He's super busy. Asked a couple other people who are interested in it. So the idea, like I said, is to do a graphic novel. Now, do you do a graphic novel in the traditional sense where you release it on paper with inking and coloring and all that stuff? Or do we release the graphic novel as an NFT? Now you guys are starting to understand what I'm talking about. You could actually release this whole graphic novel, 100 pages or whatever it is, as an NFT. Only as an NFT. We're going to sell a 1,000 copies of this of this uh, graphic novel or, you know, 200 copies or whatever it would be at X amount of dollars. And if you buy one, you own it. And once they're gone, you can't get another one. It's almost like an old school comic. If you had Superman number one and you bought it and it got handed through the generations, you'd be a very rich man right now. Only thing is you can't find it or it's got dog ears or somebody spilt a, you know, a lemonade on it or whatever the hell it is can't happen with nft so if you if we do this with a graphic novel just like the very first two episodes of the pain maker uh, nfts you can never lose it it can never be damaged so that's kind of what i'm thinking of taking this to a graphic novel nft that's step one i guess step two if the nfts are step one step three is to actually make a movie a pain maker movie and how we do that, I mean, this is kind of outside the NFT world. I'm hoping it's going to be such a huge hit on the NFT format that uh, that it's going to be a no-brainer that people will just be clamoring to pay me, you know, millions of dollars for the rights to the pain maker to do a movie. But I was thinking, like, wouldn't that make sense? Like, somewhere we're going to have to create new comic book movie heroes, and why does it always have to be, you know, I mean, obviously Marvel Universe is the biggest thing, but, you know, Marvel Universe only has so many characters. Do we? How many more Spider-Man movies do we need? I don't know. I can't keep track. It's Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3, and there's Spider-Man 1 and 2, and there's Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3 again. Do you have to watch 1, 2, and 3 to understand what's going on in 1, 2, and 3, right? So that's, that, that, that's kind of what 
I'm thinking like if this pain maker goes well and obviously, geez, an intergalactic superhero movie, like that's not going to cost a lot of money. I get it. It's expensive. No problem. I understand. But my point is, what if we, what if we could do it? Like what if the pain maker, and I think that's a pretty interesting thing. Intergalactic serial killer can go anywhere you want, any planet, any time, any zone. There's no limits underwater, in the sky, in the forest, you know, underground, whatever it may be, any type of creature, any type of diabolical villain, the pain maker has to best it. But there's also maybe another uh, intergalactic, I don't know, super sheriff who's looking for the pain maker. The same way that the pain maker is looking for all these other intergalactic serial killers. So you can weave all that stuff in there and, you know, who knows, maybe in five years or 10 years, you guys will listen back and go, holy shit, Jericho called it. He said there was going to be a Painmaker graphic novel. First of all, a series of Painmaker NFTs, then a Painmaker graphic novel, and then a Painmaker movie. So this is what my goal is for this character over the long haul. You know, maybe I'll be the next Stan Lee. Maybe Painmaker will be the next, you know, Superman. One step at a time, said the man. So that's kind of the idea. And also, too, I'd like to do the Painmaker a few more times in AW, a few more times in, J- in New Japan. I mean, like I said, I would love to do Painmaker versus Malachi Black. That's a no-brainer. I would love to do Painmaker versus Sting. Oh, that's amazing. Bat versus Bat. Are you kidding me? Think about that for a bit. You know, uh, 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 Painmaker, I don't know, who else you got? Paymaker versus Shingo. I think Chris Jericho and Will Ospreay would be better. And maybe Chris Jericho and Minoru Suzuki. I would like to have that match as well. But that would be more of kind of just two guys beating the shit of each other. But I find the Painmaker is a little bit more whimsical. A little more mysterious. So we're in there with a Sting. Or a Darby Allen, Or a Malachi Black. It kind of fits that tone. You know what I mean? Like the Painmaker would be hanging out with Abaddon. That's sort of a vibe. So that's kind of where we're at. And that's kind of my imagination, which people always give me critical acclaim. Oh, you're always re-evolving and and reinventing and all that sort of stuff. And yes, I am reinventing right now. Even as I'm speaking to you, more ideas are coming to me of what what we could do with with the Painmaker character. So um, if you guys are interested in checking out the uh, newest Painmaker NFT, uh, all you got to do is just go to uh, semcore.io and that's S-E-M-K-H-O-R dot I-O slash death at first thing. And you will see that uh, that new um, uh, episode, I guess we'd say, and you'll see Arachdomonos, and you'll figure out kind of what we're talking about here. And I think the sky's the limit, because like I said, I mean, I think the Painmaker is a great character for wrestling. I can't use it all the time, nor would I want to. It's a great kind of, uh, you know, you use it when the time is right. But we could build a whole NFT, you know, comic book universe around the Painmaker, both in the blockchain and in the crypto world and in cyberspace and also in real life as well so that's it i hope you guys 
uh, stuck with me for this whole time. I hope you enjoyed hearing about the the origin of the pain maker and kind of where I want to take it in the future. And I will be so cheeky, as we say here in England, since I've been here for so damn long, uh, to ask myself, what was your favorite pain maker match? And like I said, there's only been four official pain maker matches and seven total. Let me see. There was five in New Japan. Yeah, so there's only been seven kind of pain maker influence matches. But my favorite one of them all was the one with Nick Gage. I just loved that match. I thought it, it came across so well. It gave Nick a huge spotlight, uh, put us all in completely a different look, different a different world. The the pizza cutters and the <laughs> the tempered glass and the mist. I love the mist. So uh, there you go. Malachi Black versus the Painmaker. Mist versus mist. Uh, so uh, I love it on Halloween. Like I said, when people uh, dress up as the pain maker, girls and guys, it looks super cool. There is something to it because anytime somebody uh, uh, utilizes their own time to come up with a costume based around something you created is very, very cool. So I love seeing that. I love seeing the pain maker art. There's a lot of pain maker tattoos as well. I've posted a few over the last uh, uh, last year or so of people coming up with this. There's a female pain maker um, tattoo. There was kind of a cross section, different versions of Jericho pain maker tattoos. So uh, I love all that stuff because that shows something Jimmy Hart told me years ago. You can't force people to make signs. And what he meant by that is you remember if you look at the 90s, how people always had all those signs they were holding up. It was so insane. It's not as much like that nowadays, but you can't force people to make signs and you can't force people to dress up uh, in a character that you created. And that's the Orange Cassidy, tons of Orange Cassidy's in the crowd, tons of Darby Allen's in the crowd because it's easy to dress up as these guys. And it's the same with the pain maker. The, the makeup was never designed to be super hard. Like I said, like and, uh, every time I put it on, every time, the times I put it on, the makeup artists... In AEW, say, well, let us put it on. It's like it's not supposed to be put on professionally. It is done by a serial killer. He's off his freaking rocker, and this is the makeup he's putting on, almost like war paint. Is it a little bit crooked? Yeah. Is it thicker in places and thinner in others? Sure. That's the idea, because the guy is off out of his mind, and he puts the pain maker makeup on, and he goes out and beats people up in wrestling or kills people. In, in this universe that we are creating. So uh, that's really cool too. So send any pain maker art that you might have. If you've ever dressed up as the pain maker, send it and I'll post it all. This is going to be a huge, the next five, six years is going to be a huge time for the pain maker and for all of us who believe, who are scared and who follow this very conflicted, Yet, oh, so super freaking cool character. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much once again. Semcore.io slash death at first thing. If you want to check out the second episode of the Painmaker NFT and get ready for a whole bunch more cool stuff. I am Chris Jericho. I am your humble host. And we will talk to you uh, again very, very soon. Oh, yeah. <laughs>